Redesign Travel is an interview series and podcast where we chat to experts, entrepreneurs, designers, researchers, and travelers of the world to explore how we can reimagine, reinvent, redesign, and regenerate travel. I'm your host, Elena Rodriguez Blanco. Welcome to today's journey. Today, we're journeying with the former co-founder and design director of the world-renowned Sherlock, an experience design company in Amsterdam. He uses his formal training in architecture and design thinking as a backbone to enhance our human experience. During the pandemic, Pim went on a personal and professional journey guided by his unique life path, researching and experiencing how we can train our muscle of curiosity. Pim is on a mission to bring more magic into the design world and currently wears the hat of experienced architect among many others. Pim, it's an honor to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us, where are you? Uh, and what is one thing that has been, one question that has been on your mind recently? Well, I'm currently in Berkeley, California, and today is Tuesday, and my Tuesdays are actually when I babysit, and that's amazing to have within the pandemic a moment to just be and be with a child and just watch, watch her grow and actually see how curious she is and see how much she's learning every week. So that's, that's an amazing uh, day in my week that's very different than my other days. Amazing, Tim. And I know you've been very, also not just about just having this babysit day, but I know you've been very conscious about how you were structuring your days during this time that we have been in lockdown. And I was uh, curious, or lack of a, <laughs> a word that we'll probably be talking about today, how that came about and what are some things that, or, or some points that you added to your lifestyle to, to go into this personal quest that you started during this time? Yeah, that's such a good question. I think one of the things I would mention is I always noticed that when I traveled, I would eat differently and I would feel better in my body and when I went home I went to in, into certain like patterns of work and eating and I would also gain some weight and I was I was always surprised by that I actually lost weight during holidays or during travels and I think part of it was that my lifestyle was different I was more in nature more outside and I was more intentional about what the food I was eating and enjoying of like, oh, I'm, I'm discovering all these different uh, ways of being with food. And I think a big part why I also moved to California is there is this immense amount of nature around. And uh, I come from a very flat country, the Netherlands, um, and I've always found it hard to exercise outside there's just something in our culture that you know we 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 exercise a lot inside so one of the things that that just like without more without effort i am on my bike i have a beautiful view so i exercise a lot more i've sort of intentionally traveled here to incorporate that into my lifestyle and then i would say when the um when we were locked in, I, 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 on the one hand, felt very blessed to be surrounded by so much nature. 
but I was always also aware how my days started to become sort of this merge of time, you know, like the, the seasons are different here. Some people would even say there's less seasons in California. And one of the things that I started noticing is like, oh, I actually need the seasons to have these moments in time that I remember are present. So I think that I, I did was I tried to have five minutes a day just to write how my day was. Because when you look back at a week, it can be sometimes this merge of time again. It's like, well, what did I actually do? But when you start training this habit of writing every day, there's there's all these like little nuggets or moments throughout a day that you learn something or had a beautiful conversation. And just writing it down made me remember how different days were. And another thing I, I live in a more intentional community is we we started having very early morning workouts where different people in the community would uh, prepare a workout session. And that was, you know, on the one hand, accountability of like getting up and doing exercises, but also, yeah, this feeling of, oh, we are a little village within our house and we have to make, <laughs> make our life more fun or like sustainable in a way. Yeah, so those are like small moments, I would say that I've, I've changed, but I've definitely noticed how being locked in is, you know, like how your, your emotions sort of like go in waves coming and going. And that's both been interesting to observe and sometimes challenging to observe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as an experienced designer, I'm sure designing moments for yourself and those that you live in, it's like the ultimate challenge in the, in, in the end, right? Because you're like the end product and following that transformation for yourself or kind of guiding it uh, can be, uh, if you don't take those moments to reflect and write and observe and see, it can become kind of like a mesh between who you are and what you're becoming all into one. And it's interesting that you say that because I know that you've worked quite a lot in escape rooms and in small moments and creating experiences for people in tiny spaces that can really uh, transform them. And, and there's one in particular that um, I remember talking to you about when I first met you that, that really impacted me uh, being connected as we both are to sustainability as a core value. How, yeah, how do you design an experience, right? For people to feel an urgency of a situation uh, like climate change might be in a way that's that's fun and real, you know, because it's true that like even, you know, it's all the small moments, like what you're saying, if you don't reflect on them, it doesn't happen. And then you have this impending things that are happening also outside our house that are have been going all through during this pandemic that seem really far right now. And they are still so urgent and still so, so real. So I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about that experience that you had and and perhaps some ideas of how we can being where we are in a in a home or in a room we can be connected to some of this kind of more urgent uh, worldwide challenges that we have right now yeah so you're talking about the blue mirror uh, water experience right yes exactly so the way that I, I would answer your question um, before diving into the experience is talking about an experience that I had myself that informed uh, the way that I designed or started designing that. And, and 
during my studies in architecture, I traveled to uh, Malawi uh, as part of an exchange to design the hostels next to a university. The moment that we, we got there, uh, we realized there was already a design for a hostel. So we, we, we were kind of confused why in the first place we got there. And we're like, oh, the solution is already here. And we started talking to the uh, director of the school and we realized that they had a certain relationship with the people that designed the solution. And part of that relationship was there was very little trust. So because the relationship of trust wasn't there, the solution presented wasn't trusted as well. Even though from my architectural perspective, I was like, this looks beautiful. So in that moment, I realized we can make the most beautiful architectural design, but if the people that are of influence or are the decision maker, so to say, don't trust me or don't have a relationship with me, it, it's not going to be built. So we re refocused part of our energy in building a relationship with the director and also building a relationship with the eventual contractor that would build the building. And in that process, what, you know, like is a, is a sort of like a secondary effect is we both learned so much from each other because we learned a lot around how do they actually build in Malawi mm -hmm. and vice versa we could spar around, well, this is things we've learned, are they helpful? So traveling in time to, you know, Sherlock mystery experiences, creating uh, escape rooms, we were presented with the challenge of, well, how do we have a visceral experience of the future, which is, you know, an idea around, well, is water level going to rise? Are forests going to burn? So this whole big concept of climate change. Um, and yet again, the solution is here, similar to uh, my experience in Malawi. We have the solution to fix the problem, yet we're missing urgency and trust. So in terms of how do we design something where on a broader collective skill, we will first start accepting that there is trust and that there is a sense of urgency before we start focusing on the solution. Um, we thought about, well, experience design is a beautiful way to do that, to bridge that gap. And in Holland, I think about 40 years ago, or maybe even longer, <laughs> here goes my history um, teacher. <laughs> would hit me with the, um, is we've had a collective flooding. And because of that collective experience, Holland then focused both their money resources into becoming one of the best water management uh, people in the world, water management engineers. Mm -hmm. So that is sort of a moment where we collectively experience something that we don't want to experience ever again. Um, so what are those elements that we can do in, you know, an, an escape rooms, minimal environment. And one of the, you know, in many, many of the researches, we also heard people talk about, we need a mini 
pandemic. And that's very poignant right now as we are in this super large pandemic, right? So we started designing a small room where depending on your action or how well you work with your team, the water level would rise. And it was very important that it wasn't in VR or it wasn't just, you know, like pretending it was literally water at your feet coming up the way to your knees because we want you to feel how it would be to be walking in water like how people in venice you know feel the water literally in their house and that's something different and i think from that space we can start having the conversation around what do we need to change and we can see and I think the pandemic that we're in right now is a beautiful example of how well we are or how skilled we are as a society to reshift, to refocus. And we need that sense of urgency. And the pandemic was like, all right, the urgency is here. People are dying. And the urgency for, in this case, let's call it climate change, isn't yet here. And there is another study uh, that also explains that if I look at myself in 10 years, I have a similar relationship to my future self as a stranger on the street. So that's why it's really hard in the now to make decisions for my future self. And we're starting to become better at it. We're more aware and we have more experience. And I think this is a, a space where, yeah, experience design can help our own flaws, so to say, because <laughs> we have a lot of flaws as humans and we're very aware of the flaws. And some people call it what is it, like mindsets or I don't know, I forgot the word. <laughs> like frameworks or frameworks, exactly. The the escape room is a starting point where with a group of people you start experiencing something, in this case water rising collectively as as a potential that could happen and from there you can have with your friends the conversation about whether or not it will happen whether you believe in it what solutions might you want to follow and and a lot of the conversations that i had finding funding for this project is well what are the solutions and it was also well we we are forgetting the step that's before and I think that's where experience design is such a beautiful, you know, it's, it's an overarching umbrella that in, in designing, for example, an escape room, the, the onboarding or buying the ticket, being on the website, how do you get to the escape room? How do you enter it? Like all that part is actually maybe 30, 40, 50% of the actual experience. Mm -hmm. And to relate that to you know, solving the climate crisis. We have a solution space and we also have a cultural trusting relationship space. And I don't, and maybe, maybe I still haven't seen it. I don't see the focus yet on that societal cultural space. Yeah, that's true. That's a great example. And, uh, and I always loved it because it's so, it's what you were saying, right? This visceral experience of your future self in the now and what would you do now to kind of help, help or, or yeah, or, or do something about that, 
uh, situation in the moment. And I think this uh, relationship of what you said, like, right, like urgency and trust yet to come up with solutions. We need curiosity, space, reflection, you know, this, uh, they don't seem to go hand in hand immediately. And I know that, that uh, this month you've been really going deep into curiosity. And I was just wondering, how do you, how do you merge this too? You know, like I want to get somewhere and yet how do I create the space for being curious, vulnerable and not knowing at the same time that I know I want to move or do something or trust or open up or whatever it is that I'm doing. I'm just curious about some of the things that have come up from that, from that uh, research that you've done. One of the points is what is the opposite of curiosity? And often the word that I use for it is fear. Maybe unknown, dive into the unknown. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, it's, it's funny because the thing that we are selling in the entertainment industry of Sherlock is actually dive into the unknown right? Embrace the mystery, because our even our company is called is mystery experiences. So there, there's something around like mystery and surprise and magic and enchantment and awe that we find beautiful. Yet fear is something that stops us from doing something. And one of the things that I've learned is we often try to negate fear or be like, oh, what if I just put it on the side? Or what if I try to like ignore it? And recently, one of the things what I always say is, is around humans is we just all want to be heard, right? Isn't that the most amazing feeling specifically? And I think this is why we love travel is when you travel, people are curious about your story. Mm. And they want to like learn about your culture, because you're you're different. And feeling different in a positive way, not in a like negative way and being listened to and being heard and somebody trying to understand you is, isn't that like so wonderful feeling? It's almost like feeling loved, right? Mm -hmm. Like just, just somebody that understands me being heard and going back to fear. I think that fear is there to protect you. Like it's a friend and it's there to tell you something and it is also something that wants to be heard. And once we start seeing sort of our own fear and listening to it and then say, thank you, it's okay. Because some of the things that you're telling me are a little bit of the past. Those are things that I don't have to fear about anymore because our culture just has transformed so immensely fast. Um, so thank you. And I'm just now going to invite my curiosity. And I think by by reshaping sort of that way of looking at it, uh, I go back to, well, the, it is also fun to embrace the mystery. And that's what people really have enjoyed in the escape rooms is kind of like this idea of letting go of something. Maybe it's an idea you have about your friend. Or maybe it's an idea about that you have about yourself. And I think the the one thing that an escape room evoked is sort of that innate childlike wonder. 
uh, that feeling of when we were younger. And I think curiosity is, is sort of a gateway to that, but it takes it out of just the entertainment industry and start bridging sort of the, the story that I just told about, you know, how can we be curious around solving climate change? And it's not just a solution, but there's also like this cultural comp component. And how can that process, because I think curiosity is more about a process, how can that be a thing we do day to day? How can we practice it? And I think for me personally, we've, we've created a society that's immensely goal oriented. And I wouldn't say there's anything wrong with that. I just think that the reshifting of the goal to well, what are the things we need to do day to day are immensely important. And I think curiosity um, helps doing that. So to give you an example, uh, and maybe also related to travel is a lot of people that I talk to when they've traveled, one of the things they enjoy is just, I'm in a, I'm in a city, I don't have any plans, right? But it doesn't mean that you, you're, you're not gonna eat it doesn't mean you're not gonna like visit some of the places. It just means you're open to whatever is going to happen. And that's also scary because, you know, if we need to reach a certain goal or need to have a certain amount of money to sustain ourselves, that is, that is something hard to trust. Um, but when we travel, we're like, oh, this is so wonderful. I felt so great. And yeah, I think, can we invite that a little bit not saying that we'd have to do it 100%, but can we just invite that for a little bit into our daily lives? And if I think about, you know, we're, we're recording a podcast. And if you look at it, it's, it's the doing of it that's important, and not the making the goal of, I want to have 100 podcasts uh, in next week, and then sort of, you know, getting stuck, because it's sort of this yeah, even saying that I get like sort of anxious and fear is like, oh, there's so much work. But then if you look at it, oh, I just record one podcast a week. You're like, oh, that's doable. So re refocusing, I think is important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it's a part also that we've kind of put efficiency as our main goal as humans for some reason and, and things that we can measure you know goals so like when we have big challenges we're like we open up a challenge and people submit solutions you know and and answers rather than questions which for me is what are doing more like what you're saying bridging that space between where i'm now and where i'm walking towards and inviting that curiosity to play along and the way but then it's so hard to measure as well my my level of curiosity and and I just just to like hone it in because I know a lot of our listeners are also people managing managing others you know and if I want to bring in this element of curiosity especially in moments where where you know there's so much shift and change so we're saying let's face our fear uh, yet I have to produce something and then my team and I'm holding space for my team as well in that fear what are what are some tips or things that you've seen have helped people to to you know just in a, in a work environment to put in little bits of curiosity in a way that doesn't feel like you're doing perhaps something that's very against their nature or a company a company culture shift that's too too wild for the very beginning but just that starts beginning uh, the conversation in 
in their in their day to day. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a very it's a very good question, and it's also a very complex question. The reason why it's complex, it's it really depends on the company and where it is based. Because in some organizations, managers have a lot of power, and that power is then hard to negate in the questions. And if someone has a power dynamic. We need to address the power dynamic rather than whatever you know, like is is going around. But in the end, I think we're all human, and I think we need to bring humanity more into the workspace. And I'm always very confused why we cannot balance both. It's kind of like, well, I can wear the hat of being a father, I can wear the hat of being a son, I can wear the hat of, you know, being a good partner, I can wear the hat of being the funny friend. So why can I not wear the hat of, I'm also a human, and I'm also your manager, right? That that just goes together. And there is a duality in it. And I think naming that is important. So I think, can we can we name the things that are, you know, inherently there? And just invite it into the space, but yeah, start and 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 just you know outside of that complexity. How often do you ask your teammate how they're doing, or even know what they are curious about outside of work? Or how often do you just send them a note saying that you appreciate them? So I think it's. It's sort of this, yeah, recognizing that the person that you're working with is human and seeing them both as a worker and as a human, and sometimes touching onto like the human aspect of that person. Because one question, and I know I'm, I'm sometimes too philosophical or too vague or too high concept, but recently a mentor of me was, was asking, well, how alive are you? And I thought it was an interesting question because if I work five days a week and I feel less alive, well, how productive am I then? So if I feel 100% alive and I work three days, how productive will I be? I'm like, I'm here, I'm focused, I'm sharp, I'm alive. And then, yeah, how, I mean, how alive are you? <laughs> if you are at 40% and then in the workspace, what does that say about the work that you're doing? And I think we often, and, and, and maybe this is where I'm, I'm going back to, we focus on the solution. What is the thing we need to bake? What is the timeline? Yet we forget that there is a human and that human has certain needs and values. And if I am tired, if I'm angry, if I'm not satisfied, if I'm suppressed, all those elements will play out in the solution space. So how do we bridge that gap? And I think those are the questions that I'm, I'm asking and sort of like, well, how alive are your employees? How alive is your team? Yeah. Do you know that? You know, it's great. I'm like, I'm smiling because just this morning I was reflecting on a quote by a psychoanalyst called Adam Phillips that says, everybody's dealing with how much of their own aliveness they can bear and how much they need to anesthetize themselves. And that's basically what you're saying. And I was just reading this quote this morning and just feeling into it, you know, like 
When does it become too much to feel so alive and this balance if I'm in spaces that don't make me feel alive, right? Or don't make me be in these natural states of wonder and curiosity and play, then I, I anesthetize myself in order not to feel, you know, not, yeah, yet not to, because I don't feel alive there, right? So like, and how spaces play a role in that and, you know, traveling, you feel very alive because you're enhancing all your senses and you're being more yourself and your people are asking about you versus in other uh, places that you're not. So I think that's a, that's a very, very good point. And that definition of aliveness hopefully can be or serve as a guiding point for our curiosity. How alive can I get to be, right? And surprise yourself every day with, wow, I'm feeling more alive than ever. And think about that every day. <laughs> yeah, and to, to bring sort of my architecture background into it is also the environments that we are in. And that's both physical, digital, and cultural environments shape your aliveness. And very easily, you know, in, in, in when you're inside and you're in a dark space or when you're inside and there's like natural light, we feel, we know the differences. And that's just one example, but just the fact that we designed chairs in some cultures and we sit on the floor in other cultures really change your, we call it now aliveness. Um, so I, yeah, I, I wonder like, what are all the elements that now have changed since we're working from home we don't have to commute we're in this digital space like what are things that we now suddenly feel more alive and what are things that we feel less alive and how can coming out of this uh, lockdown how can we start merge those worlds so to say so that everyone can feel more alive and eventually be more uh happy and maybe have some more free time and travel more <laughs> yeah no, especially i think those discoveries because for a lot of people it has been an opportunity also to to have different choices right and so merging those and maybe and i know from conversations that that yeah that our limits and boundaries in terms of what we can go back into in a way uh will probably change and that's just from a, a representation of things that you discovered while that were possible even during the times that a lot seemed impossible. Well, Pim, um, as always, I can talk to you uh, long hours, um, but I do want to ask you one last question that I ask uh, my guests, and it's just uh, if you can share with us a transformational travel experience so that we can feel like we're traveling, and uh, and why was it transformational for you? What about it made it? so that it's recorded to your memory in a way that you are sharing about it here today. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many that I could share, but to keep it, to keep it in Malawi, you know, like we, <laughs> we could travel to India, we could travel to Nicaragua, we could travel to even London. One of the things that I found profound there was seeing how boys or men amongst themselves interact. They're very, cuddly and holding hands and yeah there's there's this like coziness so to say and when i first got there i was like oh this is this is different than how my friends interact specifically in my culture even though i am considered to already be someone yeah that's okay with physical contact amongst friends 
and the more and more I, or the longer I was there slowly, I also, you know, started embedding in that culture of holding hands and like being arm in arm. Uh, and my friends sort of like were commenting on it of like, oh, look at you. You're like <laughs> so, <laughs> so adapting this, this, this way of, of being. And then when I got back home, I was like to some of my male friends, I was like, let's, let's just do this. Like, it was fun. It felt great. Uh, there's, there's this like loving kindness in it. Why don't we do it here? And then we tried it and we felt, you know, like on a, on a personal level, we felt comfortable, but the moment we got like outside, there was something that shifted because in the culture, it has a different meaning. And that was for me a moment that I realized how much influence our environments have on ourselves and how unconsciously that is. And that's something that I, I can intellectually explain, but going through that as a like physical experience of, oh, it was so great holding someone's hand and it felt great. And now it's kind of like, no, this, this doesn't feel good. Yeah, really, really shocked me in a way that, yeah, it became sort of this, this mission of, well, what are all the unconscious things, how our environments shape us? And that's where traveling became this medicine almost, so to say, to see the world with different lenses. And then experience design became the tool to show different lenses. And then curiosity became the mindset with which that everything was created. Yeah, amazing. I had a I had a game with with some friends for a while that it was like every day we had to do something we've never done before, um, and we would just report on it. And and that's when like this shifts with culture is like well sometimes it's something small, but it's just something that your culture or your the space or whatever gave you you know not that opportunity to, to do it. So that's really interesting to observe and to play around. And to, um, yeah, see how you feel uh, pushing those boundaries in a way. So, Pim, thank you so much for your time and for everything you've shared and for all the amazing work that you do and for bridging this gap between experience and curiosity and trust and vulnerability and, and uh, yeah, through, through, the, through games and through, and through just reflections, right? So, thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in this amazing episode of Architecting Magic, where we have talked about escape rooms, environmental emergency, work, aliveness, travel, and so many things that are pertinent to today's culture. Thank you for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and we'll be hearing each other next week.